Let's pray together. Father, we ask again that you send your Holy Spirit to inspire the reading of your Word. Your Word is is already inspired by the Holy Spirit. It does not return void. It does not return empty. We pray that you would inspire this moment as your Word is read, that it would be powerful in our lives. Pray also that you would anoint this time of the proclamation of your Word, that it might not be my words, but the words you would have for your people. I pray, O God, that we would hear again these words, that we would understand them, that we would apply them to our daily living, that we would understand that we're receiving the very Word of God, and that it would be powerful in our lives. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. I was tempted to uh, kind of break the series today and and focus just on Palm Sunday, but I I wanted to stay with it and uh, stay with uh, I Am the True Vine. I'm going to read all of of, uh, John 15 to, to verse 11. That's not all of John 15, but all of that section, because I think it's important, even though we won't cover every verse, I think it's important for you to hear uh, the flow of the text. I also think we pastors too often uh, pull out a verse or two, and and that's all we read, and there's just real power in you hearing more of God's Word read. So even though we won't go over every verse, I pray that the Lord will bless this time as you hear these 11 verses. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Thanks be to God for His holy word. Amen. Johnny Penny Legion reminds us in his book, I Am, that in 2014 there was a song on the lips of many young girls. It was the title track from the movie Frozen, Let It Go. Hard to believe it's been that long ago. The movie was released in November of 2013. But I can tell by the looks on some of your faces and the rolling of the eyes that some of you remember it quite well. 
You may also recall that during that time, there were many hilarious memes and spoofs and assorted videos of, of parents going crazy as they had heard that song for the umpteenth time. The song was the theme of Queen Elsa's life. She had the magical power of controlling ice and snow, but she had trouble controlling that power. As a result, she was encouraged or forced to keep it hidden. Until finally she decided to let it go. Let it go, let it go, turn away and slam the door. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. Not so bad there, but then listen to these words. You maybe didn't even catch it as you heard it dozens of times. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Let it go. Viewed as an innocent children's song, and one, quite frankly, that I enjoyed at least the first dozen times I heard it. But no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Let it go. Really? No right? No wrong? No rules for me? You see, behind this seemingly innocent song is a dangerous theme of self-actualization. That is declaring that the individual is the ultimate determining factor of his or her life. A year or two ago, I heard it or saw it posted quite often as this, you do you and I'll do me. It's autonomy. And our culture craves it. Our culture even demands it. But Jesus, folks, demands something very different. He says there's one greater than you. He says, I am the true vine. Abide in me. And honestly, autonomy is not going very well. Penny Legion writes, if we're really these self-authenticating, autonomous people, then why does someone else's opinion matter to us so much? Why does someone's online personality make us so jealous? Why does someone's success cause great resentment? And why does someone's failure make us feel superior? Could it be that we were never meant to be autonomous? I think so. And more importantly, so does Jesus. We were designed to be dependent on a life-giving source outside of ourselves. That's why Jesus said, I'm the true vine. I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me. We're dependent on him because he is the one who gives us life. He's the true vine. You and I are, are but branches. So I want to dive into the text a little this morning. And, and let's begin to understand the nature of, uh, of what it means to be branches of the true vine, what it means to abide in Him, to understand that we don't stand alone. We're dependent on a lot of people around us, and more importantly, we're dependent upon God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice, first of all, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true 
vine. There's an emphasis here on Jesus being true. And it's not just true as opposed to being false. It's true as the one perfect, essential, and enduring vine. James Boyce writes, There's an immediate reference which almost certainly would not have escaped the disciples. The vine is the preeminent symbol of Israel. Psalm 80 verses 8 and 9 says of Israel, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. So it's talking about the vine of Israel and how it flourished when they came out of Egypt. But Jeremiah 2.21 says of Israel, Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? And Isaiah 5 again compares Israel to a vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard Israel that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Israel was a, a vine planted by God to be fruitful. However, it had turned degenerate and become a wild vine producing wild grapes, or we might say it produced sour grapes. But Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. I'm the vine that's going to endure. I'm the vine that's going to bring forth fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears, what does he say? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the true vine. He's the one that you and I must stay connected to. We must depend upon Him if we're going to bear fruit in our lives. And I want to come back to abiding in Him in just a minute. But I want to turn back to verse 1 again to the very end of that verse and make sure we understand what's going on here. He says, and my Father, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So what does He do? Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. God takes away and prunes so that you and I might bear fruit. What's interesting about God takes away is that most translators and interpreters seem to go with a secondary meaning of the Greek word eros, to take away or to cut away. And perhaps they do so because of the word uh, prunes in that, in that same text. But again, one of my favorite commentators, James Boyce, makes a point that I find quite intriguing and perhaps, just perhaps, a more accurate translation. The root meaning of arrows, the number one meaning of that word is to lift up, to take up, to lift up or to take up. See, we all know that the grapes are not like squash or pumpkins that grow well along the ground. Grape vines must be lifted up. They must have an arbor or something to vine across. So perhaps what Jesus is saying here is that the vine dresser first lifts up the vine so that it might get more sun and air and produce better fruit. Then if there are branches that do not produce fruit, he prunes those branches again, so that they might bear more fruit. 
I find that a very intriguing and even probable interpretation of this text, but it's one I've never considered. That the Father lifts up the vine, then He cuts off the unproductive branches. The, the Father tries to restore us before He prunes us and corrects us where necessary. Regardless, what's being spoken about here is what you and I might call the process of sanctification. It's the process of making us more Christ-like. It's the process of making you and I more faithful and more fruitful. That's what the vine dresser does. I say that because the word prunes is the Greek word katharizo, from which we get our word catharsis, which means to cleanse or to purify. In the case of a vine, it meant to cleanse it of the withered branches, to get rid of all the insects or maybe the moss that was growing on it. It meant to remove anything that would prove detrimental to the growing of the grapes. And that's what God does in the sanctification process for you and for me. He's cleansing us of anything that might be detrimental in our walk with Him. He's seeking, for example, to strip us of bad habits and instead replace them with, with good habits like reading Scripture and, and praying. He's reordering our priorities. He's changing our values every day in the sanctification process. God's working in our lives to remove the dead wood and the parasites that might hold us back in our walk with Him. So how does God do that? It's something you already know. That's my job most of the times to tell yourself that you already know and remind you of it. I would say that He primarily cleanses us through the Scripture. Day after day, through being men and women of the Scriptures. King David asked in Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then he answered his own question, by living according to your word. He, he went on to say, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I don't have that verse up here. It's verse 11. <laughs> Jesus says later in our text, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. It's abiding in God's Word that cleanses us, that purifies us, that keeps us abiding and walking with Christ. It's giving careful attention to God's Word and applying God's Word day in and day out. Letting God's Word reorder our priorities. You see, careful study and application of the words is not just going to keep sin out. It's going to help you and I walk with the Lord every day. He's going to give us instructions that's going to make you and I more fruitful in our daily living. And I'll get to some of those uh, in just a minute. And not only must you and I abide in God's Word written, we've got to abide in God's Word made flesh. Verses 4 and 5 again. Abide in me, said Jesus, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, 
you can do nothing. No branch can bear fruit in isolation. We know that. It must remain connected to the vine. Likewise, you and I must remain connected to Jesus because apart from Him, we can do nothing, certainly nothing of lasting value. But even those who deny Jesus, ultimately they can do nothing unless Jesus continues to breathe life into them. We can be as arrogant as, as we want to, but truly we can do nothing apart from Jesus. Charles Hayden Spurgeon said in a sermon, without Jesus you can talk any quantity, but without Him you can do nothing. The most eloquent discourse without Him will be all smoke. You can lay your plans and arrange your machinery and start your schemes, but without the Lord you will do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can sing a song or two in church. We can give an offering. We can answer questions at a small group Bible study and so forth and so on. But unless we've trusted in Jesus and His Holy Spirit dwells in us, those things won't amount to much. They'll never bear much fruit apart from Christ. We must abide in Him. We must trust in Him as our Savior. We, you and I must seek to walk with Him every day by seeking to walk according to His Word. Now, now someone's bound to think, well, Danny, I, you know, I've trusted in Jesus and, and I try to read the, the, the Bible fairly often, but, but how do I know? How do I know if I'm abiding in Jesus and His Word? Simple answer but more difficult to live. Verse 5 again. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is or she it is that bears much fruit. Are you bearing fruit? And, and what kind of fruit are you bearing? Galatians 5.22 But the fruits of the Spirit is love. And joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Are we bearing those? Does that mark our lives? God always has a way of humbling me before I'm preaching something like this. Jeanette looked at me yesterday and she said, my, you're grumpy. And there wasn't much gentleness and kindness and patience. Do we bear that fruit? 2 Peter 1, beginning with verse 5, says, For this very reason, uh, and the reason is because you've been saved and become part of Christ's kingdom, for this reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness 
and godliness with brotherly affection, and then brotherly affection with love. For if you, these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective, and here it is, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. You really want to know if you're abiding in Christ and His Word? Do you really want to know? Then what fruit are you bearing? Are you growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Are we increasing in virtue and knowledge? Self-control, there it is again. Steadfastness, godliness, brotherly and sisterly affection, and love. And listen, my friends, all of us go through seasons of drought when, when we struggle to bear fruit. I get it. And some days we are grumpy. And some of us might struggle with some things more than others. We, we may battle against impatience, for example, the rest of our days. But that's the key. Beloved, stay connected to Jesus' Word and stay in the battle. Keep praying. Keep studying God's Word. You'll never reach perfection in this life. You'll never reach perfection in any of the fruit of the Spirit. But if we, the branches, abide in Jesus, if we abide in the vine, if we stay connected to Him in His Word, then the trajectory of our lives is going to be upward. It's going to be an increasing growth in the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is the true vine. May we abide in Him and His Word. And may our lives bear much fruit. Let's pray together. Lord, You are indeed the vine. And apart from You, we can do nothing. We, we came in carrying palm branches that have been disconnected from a vine, from a tree, from a trunk. They have no life source apart from that. And we're like that too. We need to stay connected to you. So keep us connected to you and to your word. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we can abide in you, that we might fully trust in you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and, and increase our hunger for your word. Oh God, may we abide in your word written and your word made flesh. Help us see that we're all lost apart from you. And we pray that abiding in you and in your word, we might bear much fruit, fruit that will endure. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you, today and forevermore. Amen.